you know, making a bit, bit of, you know, this sort of thing going on. And, and he thought, oh, I'll just go and have a look. So he walked in and had a look. And there was all these people gathering around one guy. And uh, this man had, uh, he'd arrived with a, a sliced hand. He'd sliced his hand open and it had all been bandaged up. And during the meeting, they prayed for him. And at some point, I'm not quite sure why, but at some point, somebody said, remove the bandage. So he took the bandage off and there was nothing there. No cut, no scar, no nothing. And so that's why they were all <laughs> so excited. And uh, it, as we were meeting on Thursday, so they were meeting again uh, this week, and he said there was such excitement about coming together to see what God would do. And it, it's uh, wonderful, isn't it, to think that God is a God, not just who heals as a sort of principle, but actually, no, he does it every day, again and again and again. And there's evidence, evidence of it recently. So I want to um, jump into Luke first, and then I'm going to read a couple of passages out of the book, uh, Everyday Supernatural. So if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, have a look at Luke chapter 4. The words will come up on the screen, and the words are already up on the screen, although not those ones. That says, together we go mission and prayer. I think you've got the wrong PowerPoint there. It should say healing at the top. Do you want my memory stick back? <laughs> right, while I find that, I'll, uh, let, let, me, uh, let me read from Luke chapter 4. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Imagine what that must have been like. Those Jews were looking forward to a Messiah coming. Many had claimed to be a Messiah. And we know that it was later in Jesus' ministry where they got a, little, a bit more aggressive towards him. But at this moment, that excitement of hearing, they knew that passage. The excitement of being in that synagogue when somebody stands up and says, Today, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. The kingdom of God has come, is effectively what Jesus was saying. And he then spends three years proclaiming in word and deed to demonstrate his love for us in providing a better future, another kingdom 
that we would have access to uh, and that he wanted to show us what that kingdom will look like. And so I, I wanted to explain something about the kingdom of God before we go into looking at the detail of healing. And that's why I want to read from the book because I, I can't better what they've put in there. I thought I could summarize it. I thought, no, it's, I just need to read it. They've got it absolutely perfectly. So I'm going to read a couple of passages from the book. And they say, what will this future kingdom look like? Everyone will live in a relationship of love and obedience to King Jesus. And relationships of love and mutual submission and service to one another. In God's kingdom, no one will be hungry. No one will be oppressed. And there will be no injustice. Everyone will be well, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. To quote Revelation 21, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. When Jesus came to earth, he not only announced this kingdom, he also demonstrated what it would look like. So he called people into relationship with himself, evangelism, into a relationship with each other, fellowship, and into wholeness, healing of the body and the heart. There should be signs of the kingdom advancing now. Every time we preach the gospel and someone finds salvation in Jesus, the kingdom advances. Every time relationships are restored and the new community of the church is built, the kingdom advances. Every time the hungry are fed and the homeless are given shelter in his name, the kingdom advances. Every time someone is healed in heart, soul, or body, the kingdom advances. Will everyone we proclaim the gospel to give their lives to Jesus? No. Will every relationship be restored this side of heaven? No. Will every injustice be overcome? Not yet. Will everyone we pray for be healed? Not until he returns. However, we don't stop preaching the gospel, building community, fighting for justice, or praying for the sick. We believe that we are called to usher in more and more of the kingdom for the future into the present. I felt it was such a wonderful description of the kingdom of God. And I thought, I can't better it. I'm just going to read it. Uh, it's great. It's so well put. And it, it encapsulates how and why we even consider praying for healing. Because that's what it's going to be like. And Jesus has established his kingdom already. So we can believe that what's going to happen there can happen here. And that's why we pray for healing. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we impact the community. And that's why we want to see more and more people healed. Now, before I go on to uh, some key values of heal healing, I want to just touch on uh, what they mentioned, which is what I would call the not 
healed yet period. Uh, it's only an aside. It, this could take two or three preaches in of itself. But I, I, I don't want to preach about healing without preaching or at least touching on when we're not healed. I, I had that experience. I had a bad back for three or four years and it was getting progressively worse and I was having to think about the future. What was it going to look like? How was I going to cope? Uh, we got to the point where we thought I'm going to have to change both our cars and that, I mean, it may be minor in some respects, but there was quite a lot of finance involved and in fact, we, we did change our cars in the November and then I was healed in the February having taken out a five-year deal to get these cars. You know, but what did I learn through that? I learned that God is in control of the whole thing. God is in control of my finances as well as my health. And sometimes we need to you know, learn about uh, what God wants for us, not necessarily exactly what's happening to us. And you know, Paul, I think, had a better view than me. Uh, he was in prison when he wrote to the Philippians, and he said this, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body. And you think, yes, he's going for healing, he's going for release. And then he says, whether by life or by death. And you realize that Paul had a different perspective. And then those verses that we know so well follow that. For he says, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me and I do not know which to choose as if he had the choice but I'm hard pressed from both directions having the desire to depart and be with Christ for that is much better so he's in this dilemma he's stuck in prison he's, he's potentially facing death and he wants to carry on not because he's arrogant oh, fruitful labor if God allows me to live no, he's saying, if God allows me to live, then obviously he's got a purpose. And so that's fruitful labor, whatever it might be. And he also wrote to the Romans and said, you know, tribulation produces perseverance, produces character, produces hope. And so he understood that there was purpose. But he also understood that death is the ultimate healer for the believer. In previous generations, they spoke of when someone had died of being promoted to glory. There was that sense of, you know, they, they've arrived. They're no longer in this uh, body which is bound up with all sorts of challenging circumstances. No, they're now free. And that's why I started with a quote about this future kingdom. That is our destiny. That is where we will be if we know and love Jesus now. But Paul also recognized that God has plans for us that sometimes involve tribulation that leads to perseverance. Or maybe there are things that he wants to teach us. I don't know whether you've seen Naomi's testimony in the email newsletter this week about how they had waited and waited for her to fall pregnant. 
She says this, there was a word about heart surgery and how it was needed and just knowing that that was for me and that it was needed, even though it would be painful. And there were several words about God growing us in the time of waiting and of pressure, which looking back has definitely happened. You know, when you're going through it, it's painful. When you're, when you're waiting in that moment for healing to come, it hurts. It may be painful, whatever it is you're going through, but the emotion of it is also painful. That not healed yet period is difficult. And we, all of us, need to be sensitive both in our proactive and our reactive responses to anyone and everyone who is going through that. And I, don't, I cannot speak about healing without acknowledging that because I'm sure, I know there are people in this room who are in that not healed yet period. And it's not enough just to say, well, maybe it's today. It's trite. But maybe it is today and that is our hope. But it's not to pass it off as, oh, well, live with it. It might be today. No. It's painful, but we believe in a God whose future kingdom has already started and that he does heal today. So, four values for healing. Firstly, the cross. When Jesus on the cross said, it is finished in John 19, he completed the task given him by the Father to make a way for us to be reconciled back to God. In Isaiah 53, it puts it so beautifully. He was pierced. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell on him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. When we made that statement of faith in Jesus, it was that that saved us, not anything that we had done. You know, when we baptize someone, we say to them, have you fully put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if they say no, then we won't baptize them because that's the point. It's nothing that they have done. It's everything that Jesus has done. And it's similar with healing. It's his wounds, his scourging, his death that has made that future kingdom available to us today. His worth. His deeds, not ours. Not one of us deserves to be healed. So we cannot judge. We cannot look at someone and say, well, you haven't really lived a very good life and you've really messed things up, so I'm not surprised you're not very well. Or we look over here and say, oh, you've been such a wonderful person. I must pray for your healing. No. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. Healing is as much a gift of grace 
as salvation is a gift of grace. So first of all, the cross. Secondly, the Bible. There are lots of examples in the Bible of healing, but it's not, to be, it's not designed to be a textbook for us to look at how we should heal people. We learn principles from the Bible, not actions to replicate. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it very easy to fall into the temptation of seeing somebody do something that works and go, well, I'll try that then, because that seems to be the right thing to do. But we need to ask the question, is it biblical, not did it work? You know, Liz sells um, her bead bracelets down in Edenbridge in a shop and they, they sell crystals and candles that do certain things and if you light this candle, it'll make you better and so on. And it, it's like, well, maybe it works. But actually, we don't want to ask, did it work? We want to ask, is it biblical? Smith Wigglesworth, who was a, uh, an evangelist in the early part of the 20th century, apparently punched a cancer sufferer in the stomach as he prayed for him because he believed that illness was of the devil and he was spy fighting a spiritual battle. Following that, people tended not to tell him where it would hurt. <laughs> Jesus didn't follow patterns of healing technique. On three different occasions, he healed someone who was blind. On one occasion, he said, See, eyes be opened. On another occasion, he spat on the ground, made a paste of mud and smeared it on the person's eyes. It gets worse. On another occasion, he just spat in their eyes. So, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with your sight, <laughs> is this what we do? No, we're not following patterns of healing technique when we look at the Bible. So what can we learn from Jesus? Well, we find that he was kind to anyone and everyone who came to him for healing. The Bible says he healed everyone who came to him for healing. Now, he didn't heal everyone because there were times when he slipped away, when there were lots of people. But anyone who came to him, he healed. So from that, I can take that if somebody comes to me and asks for healing, I should pray for them. Whatever faith I have or have not got, that I, I need to follow the pattern of Jesus. But I am not responsible for all the unwell people in the district. I shouldn't stand outside the doctor's surgery and pray for each one before they go in. That's not what I see of Jesus. It's our responsibility to respond in the same way that he did. So the cross, the Bible, and thirdly, being led by the Spirit, which sort of follows on from this. We, we read of Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And we see a remarkable three-way communication from the Father through the Spirit to the Son. In John 5, which is a passage we often use to talk about the deity of Jesus, also reveals something of that sort of working relationship. It says, truly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things 
the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. If Jesus worked that way, then that is definitely a principle we should follow. Proactively listening to the Holy Spirit in relation to healing. And I want to give a a little example uh, later, which will relate also to that. And fourthly, fourth value, the dignity of each person. Jesus was motivated by compassion because he loved people and he continues to love people. And he continues to love people through us. In fact, he has commanded us to follow suit. In John 13, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also loved, love one another. We're not called to diagnose the root issues from the symptoms that we see or hear about when someone comes for healing. We're not going to judge them. We're not going to suggest that, well, maybe the way you've lived is not surprising that you're going through this. You see, whether somebody is healed or not, when we pray for them, they should leave feeling that God loves them and that we love them. I have dignity as a human being. So, An idiot's guide to healing. Firstly, who is responsible for what? I I think uh, this is is an illustration straight out of the book, and I think it's really good. In a restaurant, the server takes the order. They come to your table, and they say, what can I get you? What do you want? And they deliver that order to the chef, who prepares the meal, which is then delivered back to the table by the server. In a process of praying for healing, that's exactly what we're doing. What is it that you want me to pray for? I'll go and ask the Father. You know, we, we don't, the server doesn't prepare the meal. The chef prepares the meal. We don't do the healing. It's God who does the healing. We're just in the, in the, in the middle we're the middleman. We're the middle person. We're, we're privileged to have that part to play as we somehow are the, the tube through which God delivers that healing, that we're part of it. And just like you might say to a server after a meal, thank you so much, that was lovely. They don't say, yeah, well, I, I battled away in the kitchen for quite a long time. No, they say, I'll, I'll tell the chef, thank you. And that's what we should do. You know, we may get thanked. (coughs) We need to go to the Father and say, thank you. Who is responsible for what? Secondly, where does it hurt? Don't jump into prayer thinking you know what it is that you should be praying for. Find out what the issue is. Equally, you don't need to keep questioning until you find that person's life story. You just need to know what it is they want prayer for. Thirdly, following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example. There's a guy called John. He's got a bad knee. 
It's getting worse and it's getting him down. He's not able to do the things that he wants to do. He's getting frustrated by it. And, so, and he's prayed for healing several times. And he comes to God and he says, God, I'd love you to heal my knee. But I, th- I can live with it if I know that you love me and you're with me. And he goes to a meeting. And Kevin has a word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge is there's somebody here with a bad knee. And so Kevin stands up and he says, there's somebody here with a bad knee and God wants to heal you. Now, unfortunately, that's not what God said to him. So when John and Kevin get together and Kevin starts praying for John, he prays for healing and nothing happens. Well, actually, something does happen. What happens is John goes away very disappointed and lacking faith. Because he asked God, not for healing, but for an assurance that he loved him and he didn't get it. And Kevin goes away feeling disappointed and lacking faith because he thinks, well, I got this word of knowledge and I tried to do the right thing and nothing happened. I'm not sure I'm going to do this anymore. Let me rerun that example again. Same scenario. Kevin and John get to pray. Except Kevin has said, I've got a word of knowledge and somebody here with a bad knee. And he starts to pray for John. And as he prays, he feels God say, tell him I love him. Tell him I'm with him. And he thinks, well, surely there's, that's, really? And he says, well, okay. So he says to John, I'd love to pray for your healing, but I just feel like God wants to say to you that he loves you and he's with you. And John bursts into tears because he knows now. That God's, and yeah, he can cope with that bad knee because God loves him and God's with him. And both those people go away full of faith, knowing that God is real. It's so important that we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And check in. Don't be so over-spiritual that once you've got your eyes shut, you've got to keep praying or say amen. You know, say, what's happening? You've prayed for them. What's happening? Tell me what's going on. Do you feel any different? Has the pain subsided? Has it got worse? Are you feeling any heat anywhere? Do you sense the Holy Spirit doing something? Is God saying anything to you? Have a conversation. Has anything changed? And then use that to fuel your prayer. And then finally, follow up. You know, if nothing happens on that moment, don't be afraid to text them or ring them the following day. Find them out on the next Sunday and say, how is things going? Can I keep praying for you if nothing's changed? I want to, you know, if God gave us a word of knowledge, then I'm sure there's purpose for it. Let's find out what that is. Let's do that together. It will encourage and lift their spirit. And I'd love for us to have the opportunity. Guess what? To have another cup of coffee. No, to pray for healing. So simply what I want to do is if you have a need that you would like prayer for uh, in the whole area of healing, then I will ask you in a moment to stand up and I want the people around you to pray for you. Because it's not me who's going to heal you. It's God who's going to heal you. 
And, you know, it's tempting, isn't it, when somebody's got anointing that you thought, oh, I'll go to them to get healing. No, actually, it's God who releases healing through his body to those who need it. And that, I believe, is what he wants to do for us today. So if you would like to be prayed for for healing, then I'd ask you to stand up only briefly because then I'm going to get other people to stand up around you and pray for you. But I'll let you stand up first so that people know that you want healing. Okay, so there's a bit of movement required because there's, a, you know, there's some clusters. So if, if you're not standing up now, I want you to go and lay your hand on at least one person who's standing up now for healing. And what we're going to do is, I'm, I'm just going to pray a prayer of healing over us all, and then I would like you, as it were, individually to continue praying uh, for the person who stood up. So Father, we thank you for your kingdom, which is coming, and we thank you that you have as it was started it now. It's not fully here, but we believe that the power of God is available to us to see healing. We thank you for testimonies that we've heard of healing. We thank you for what happened in Eastbourne just a, a, a few days ago. And Lord, we pray that you will fall by your Holy Spirit upon those people who have stood seeking you for healing this morning and that you will bring healing and wholeness and complete restoration and uh, a response in the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, will you come in power amongst us? We thank you that it's not about us. It's not anything that we have done. We don't deserve to be healed, but you're a good God. We sang it earlier. You have been faithful. You continue to be faithful. And we experience and we want to rejoice in the goodness of God. So Father, we pray Come and release healing around this room, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now please continue to pray for that person.